Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, how to manage a disgruntled, non-promoted direct. Part one. Here we go. So here you go. Here's the cast that thousands of people are waiting for. Tens of thousands of people, <laughs> right? And and here's the situation. You have a director who's working for you, right? You just recently got the job and you're now managing somebody who wanted the job you have. And you have reason to believe that they may hold that against you. Now that's fun. I, I've never had this problem. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I have to say this is, um, it's probably not as common as most people think, but when it happens, it, it's like the old phrase, opposites attract. We notice when 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 it happens, and, and so uh, it's dramatic when it does happen that there could be a, a little bit of a civil war between a direct and a boss, and people might feel like the direct has some justification because... You know, he's friends with his coworkers or she's friends with the team. And so uh, there's a lot of back channel and gossip and so on. Well, we're going to get to it. But the, but the yeah. key point you said is there may be a civil war, right? And, and yeah, in the vast majority of cases, it, it doesn't turn out to be so, but. Right. I mean, and there's, there's, there's certainly plenty of people listening who this has happened to or they've been close to it, right? And, and, and you know, you got the promotion, but someone who didn't get it who wanted it now reports to you. They applied just like you did. They may have interviewed just like you did. It's always worse the further they make it through the process, right? The more the sense that, well, I already work here. And so they're taking me to the final step. So obviously, therefore, I'm a shoe in right? Violating Horseman's Law that until you got something, you got nothing. And they didn't get the job. You got the job. Now, look, clearly this person who's working for you now thinks they can do the job you're doing. It's even worse, probably, that they could say to you, if you've come from somewhere else, either outside the company or somewhere else inside the company, that they know more than you do about the operation of the team that you're supervising. You know, you've probably heard they're not happy about it. And the question is, how should you handle them? You know, should you treat them differently? What special steps should you take for this person? You know, what can you do to help them become effective if, in fact, there's something you can do? Now, some people say it's even worse if you got promoted and you were on the team as well. In other words, you were their peer. We don't particularly agree with that. We just think that most people feel more pressure when that's the case. But making this transition or becoming the boss of somebody who's disgruntled, who didn't get you the job you got, uh, isn't any harder if you were their peer. It may sting a little bit more, but it's not harder to do the right things. You may take a little bit more discipline, but I don't think that makes it harder. So we've got five steps in our recommendations. The first one, the one that's going to stun the most people, and we're going to spend a good bit of time on it, is manage this person, manage the disgruntled direct. I love saying that, disgruntled direct. Manage him like you would anybody else. I thought you started off saying, imagine you could, ma- you could manage yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> imagine you can imagine him, you, you can manage him right off the team. No, you manage that disgruntled person just like you would anybody else. We're going to recommend you roll out the Trinity. We're going to recommend you treat her with respect. And we're going to explain that in excruciating detail because the vast majority of people listening right now can't even get what? Right. Well, well, I'm waiting for the special guidance. Well, there's really not a lot of special guidance. Manage 
anyone who didn't get the job and is disgruntled about it or potentially disgruntled, just like you would anybody else. That's the way to be successful. Did you just say we don't, we're not going to have a lot of special guidance? So we're going to spend at least probably well, two shows talking about yeah, this. And yeah, there's yeah be no that sounded bad, guidance. didn't it? Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, what, what we they want to know is the inside trick, right? And, and the fact is, this is simply counterintuitive to what most people would expect, which just proves that the average thinking about management is wrong, right? So manage like you would anybody else. That's the first rule. The second recommendation we have is you've got to, you've got to think about this for a minute and this will help drive home point number one. Consider the two alternatives here. Consider the possibility that either this person is disgruntled or that they're going to behave professionally. And when we, when we look at each of the two possibilities, either they're okay, but there's been a rumor that's false or they're not okay and they're going to be potentially a problem. In either of those two cases, the absolute right answer is to manage them normally, respectfully. And in both cases, no matter what happens, you get a better outcome than if you do something different. Our third recommendation, third and fourth really go together. This is, this is perhaps the part where we get into a little bit of not, not special guidance, but, but where we make a distinction that's important for people to make. And that is if one of your team doesn't get the job and you got it and they privately complain to you, that's much more okay than you might realize. Private complaints are very different from public ones. And we actually recommend you ask for support uh, privately initially if somebody complains to you. There's a lot of benefit to someone coming complaining to you rather than, than doing that to the team or somebody else. On the other hand, point four, public behaviors against you, tearing you down, being malicious and so on, absolutely need feedback at some point. Even though we're going to wait, we're going to recommend you wait probably longer than you want to. If you move too fast against someone in this situation, it will redound negatively to you. That's an important theme of what we're going to talk about today. And our fifth point, something that's really important and is probably the easiest one to, to violate and it sends a bad message about you is don't go to your boss. If you go to your boss too soon, your boss is going to assume that you don't feel you have the professional clout, the role power, the maturity, the influence in order to get it done by yourself. And they're probably going to side with the person who's your direct just out of a sense of loyalty to the weaker uh, of the two of you. And that's dangerous for you. So we don't recommend you go talk to your boss until you have chapter and verse on somebody, which will take you months to get to. Okay, good. So let me immediately go after you and ask you about number one, manage him like you would anyone else. I, I yeah. got a problem child. I shouldn't say child, but I got an individual with an attitude problem on my team about me getting the job and the fact that she didn't get it. And now you're going to tell me that I got a manager just like anybody else. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, this is a problem I got. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to argue with you on that. It okay. doesn't okay. make Cast sense over. to me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you just stole my ability to deliver the punchline perfectly was you're just like the average manager, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> ow, ow. You're average. Um, yeah. Look, look, rather than going through the analysis, which we will do in just a minute when we talk about the two alternatives, I really wanted to start out and be very crisp immediately about the actions to take, what to do and how to do them, and talking about the Trinity and talking about respect. But I can tell you this, when everyone gets done listening to this cast, 
Okay. They will feel the thread throughout the entire cast that manage him or her like you would anybody else is the most important thing we're going to tell you. Certainly there are some awarenesses we want you to have, but if you don't get that you manage them the same as you do everybody else, the moment you start treating them differently is the moment they begin to believe that you're complicit and that you're codependent with them on the problem they're having. And anything you do differently, even if it's well-intentioned, is going to be perceived as you manage them differently because they didn't get the job. It's going to be seen by many people as a sign of weakness. It's not going to be effective. Folks, don't presuppose despite any hints or rumors or advanced information you get that you have a problem, okay? Until you actually do have a problem and folks, someone saying to you, you have a problem does not mean you have a problem. It means somebody thinks you do, but they're not you and they're not the manager and they're not responsible for the output of the team. So until you actually do have a problem, thinking that you have one will increase the chances that you'll get one because you'll start managing differently. You'll be suspicious Um, you'll see the direct through different eyes. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And the moment you start doing that is the moment you begin to believe absolutely it's true. The rumors are true. And then you'll start getting exactly the behavior you absolutely don't want. Don't think about how to treat the person differently. So then if I hear these rumors, right, and I'm I'm aware of this potential issue, then it's probably a good idea to sit down with a person, right, and just get it out on the table and Okay. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No, definitely. No, that part, that thing you just said right there, that's a no. Don't have a separate meeting with him or her to discuss average manager time. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Don't no separate meeting. And look, if you're thinking, have a separate, if you're thinking separate, if you're thinking different, if you're thinking, well, but what they mean is mostly the same, but of course I'd have to do this differently. No. Totally the same in every way. Do not meet individually to allow him to ask questions of you. Do not meet individually or privately to allow him to get things off of his chest. Don't mention his disappointment publicly. Don't make jokes about how you're not as qualified as him. Because those are always doubly negative. What it says is everybody knows you're not as qualified as him, but you're essentially reminding him, I don't have to be as qualified as you. I'm the boss. Lucky me, I won. Okay. You don't make jokes publicly or privately about your qualifications or his qualifications. You don't say to people existentially, why did I get this job as opposed to Richard, who's absolutely fabulous? It's a, it's one of those things that we'll never know, right? Don't talk to your boss about what you're doing to address this with one of your directs, because that is something, again, you're not going to be doing for anybody else. And therefore you'd be managing this person, this disgruntled direct differently. All right, so I'll, I'll just accuse everybody of having a bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I suppose if you if everybody has a bad attitude, then you're not treating them differently. There you go. I, okay. Of course, that violates the other rule of management is you're supposed to be effective and make your people productive. But that, we could talk about that some okay, other time. So this is my average. worse than average management. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so look, folks, seriously, you manage him like you would anybody else, like all the others that don't have this problem. And by the way, it's not a problem yet. It's only a potential problem. 
Now, now look, there are people that are thinking of it more strategically, perhaps, than you are, Mike. Um, but they're worried about this, right? Uh, and and frankly, we understand there is a part of many of you listening that you wish you could have early warning about problems, right? You wish you could you could solve your problems before they blow up, right? Let, let's be let's be proactive and, and nip it in the bud, right? Let's not let it grow full term. Let's let's stop right now. Let's not have a big to do. Let's solve it when it's small because it takes less leverage and less energy and so on. Yeah, you're right. And I can see all sorts of problems with that. Yeah. I mean, look, look if you're just starting your career, folks, it's worth it to walk through this. You know what I'm going to talk about, right? Folks, if you're just starting your career, particularly if this is your first promotion, right? And, and you got the job and one of your friends didn't, you've got to be careful early on in your career. And some of you with even more experience, you've got to be careful about this. You've got to be careful about seeing everything as a problem and always believing that your job is trying to solve problems. We used to do this great exercise. I mentioned this a lot at the conferences. We used to have a bunch of managers in a room. We're doing some training or some coaching or some, some, uh, consulting perhaps. And we've got a bunch of executives in a room and we'd have two, ins- two assistants come into the room, walk into the front of the room. And the two assistants would be holding a, a bed sheet up between them. Like they were going to project slides onto it. Like it were a, uh, as if it were a flag or a, a projection screen. So holding the sheet vertically with the long axis parallel to the ground. Okay. In other words, they wouldn't be holding it like it would lay on top of a bed. They'd be holding it at 90 degrees to that. It's just a plain white bed sheet, twin size bed sheet, right? And up in the corner of the sheet was this little smudge, a little, a little gray spot, a little schmutzig, right? German for, for dirty, uh, about, about as big as your thumb. Not, not a big black stain, not an ink blot the size of an, you know, the contents of an entire ink, uh, jar or blot or whatever, but, but just a little smudge the size of your thumb. Folks, what do you think virtually every manager we did this little pantomime for answered when we asked the question, what do you see? Of course, the, the yeah. smudge, right? The dirt. Yeah, they, they, they totally, every manager, it was, it was literally, I suspect half of them knew it was coming and they couldn't resist. They said spot, they said smudge. They say, there's a spot, there's a dirty spot, be careful, schmutzig, right? Almost no manager ever said to us, I see two people with a virtually virtually perfectly clean sheet <laughs> held up in between them, right? Yeah, right? And you ask yourself, well, why not? And in fact, some of them, some of the people who are listening right now, Mike, are stunned that I said someone, rarely someone actually said there were two people because they, it's not even in their, in their brain right now. And when people ask, right, why not? Why didn't people say that? You know, clearly there were two people standing up in front of the room. The spot was there, but so were the two people. And so was the sheet, right? Why didn't they say everything they saw? Yeah. And it's easy. We learn. Managers saw the spot because that is how they had come to see their jobs as finding and correcting errors. The ones who really were always looking for errors, not just thinking that's their job, but they really had become their job and they're always looking for errors. They fact, frankly, really saw themselves quite good at it. We're frankly a little bit taken aback. They're miffed. They were even insulted a little bit that we wanted to point out the paradigm through which they were viewing the world. They believed in their paradigm 
of finding the area or finding the problem of finding the exception so much so that they believe their paradigm filter showed them the world that they believe so much in the paradigm that they forgot that the paradigm even existed, that it was no longer a filter that they were seeing the world actually as the world was rather than a filtered view of the world, right? And if you see two people in front of a room, folks, holding up a sheet with a spot on it, and you get asked, what do you see? And you say spot, you're viewing it through a paradigm. You've made a value judgment of what's in front of you, and you've eliminated 99% of the visual data coming to you in order to focus on the 1% that is of interest to you. Because we didn't ask analyze this picture and tell us what you would focus on. We asked the managers, what do you see? And none of them, I mean, maybe one out of a hundred would say, there are two people standing in front of the room with a white bed sheet. Here's what they're wearing. And oh, by the way, just as an aside, the sheet's a little bit dirty. It reminds, it has to remind us of the old adage about, you know, don't ask the fish about the water. You just can't see it, right? You're, you, if you're a manager, you get so good at seeing mistakes, at seeing errors, or seeing potential problems, or hoping to catch the problem before it becomes a big spot on the sheet that you don't even realize that's what you're doing. You One day you look around and you realize you're surrounded by problems. And folks, if you look around and you see yourself surrounded by problems, you're not seeing the world the way the world is. I, I know I've told this story before of, of uh, uh, Paul Hawken, the guy who wrote uh, Building a Business, probably the best small business handbook I've ever read. Just a really, really gifted man and a great business person. And he said he was sitting in his office one Saturday afternoon and and uh, the world was lovely outside. Uh, the people were playing in the park across the street and he was there doing what he'd always done. He'd found a problem and he was hoping that he would figure out how to solve this problem in his business. And he, he knew that if he solved this problem that he had identified, he could go home on that Saturday and he could feel good that the problem was solved and he'd come into work Monday and all the problems would be solved and things would really finally start running smoothly. And of course, the, the, the epiphany he had sitting there was that everybody else who was outside in the park weren't just lazy, they had figured out that the world was not just full of problems to be solved. The world would not stop creating problems on Monday if he solved this particular problem. And maybe he ought to leave his problems where they're loved, which is at work and, and go home. And his lesson was not everything is problems. Although all businesses have problems, some businesses have good problems, some businesses have bad problems. The key is you don't always have to see the problem. And the paradigm of seeing the spot and not the sheet is a classic management paradigm called management by exception, right? Management by exception says, if everything's going okay, you leave it alone. You don't talk about it. It's not important. It's only the variances that you pay attention to. Now, there are some places where this makes sense, but, but for the vast majority of managers, it doesn't make sense. And it's a paradigm that infects, I would be willing to bet 80% of managers that I know in the world. In the beginning of your career, right, particularly if it's this particular case where you got promoted and somebody else didn't, you're going to discover that you have too much to do. When you combine too much to do with your directs only coming to you when they have problems, and seriously, folks, think about it. Do you go talk to your boss when you don't need her, when things are fine and you can handle everything you're doing, right? You don't. 
right? So the only reason people are going to come to you is when they have problems, right? You're going to begin, if, if you believe you have too much to do, and whenever your directs come to you, they only bring you problems. You're going to begin the slide into becoming a manager who sees themselves surrounded by problems. And managers who see themselves surrounded by problems start becoming firefighters, right? I know at least once a month, we get a comment in the forums along the lines of, I'm doing nothing but fighting fires. And it's nice to actually hear it because here's a person who's aware that in fact, there's a potential problem. And frankly, some of you are realizing for the first time now as you're hearing this, that management by exception, which you think of yourself as doing, in other words, if it's not broken, I'm not going to mess with it. But if it's a problem, I need to address it because if I can fix all the problems, then everything will finally be fine the next Monday after I'm in here on a Saturday. The fact is you're realizing that management by exception and firefighting are roughly the same thing. And you've probably been thinking of yourself positively as somebody who manages by exception, solved another problem, solved another problem, solved another problem, solved another problem. When in fact, everybody else knows, probably even mostly your directs, that you're really just a firefighter, which frankly, in our experience, has been one of the worst kinds of ineffective managers. So look, the, the, the message I'm trying to an analogize here is not too hard. I probably messed it up a little bit. Folks, if you're not careful, you're going to look for spots and only see spots. If you put that together, if you put that concept together with the power of first impressions, you're going to be in a real dangerous position with this person who it's been whispered, believes they should have got your job, right? If you're told that and you start looking for it, you're going to find it, even when it's not there. I'm not sure I understand. What, what do you mean? Give me an example. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so it's, it's sort of like the Pygmalion effect, but basically this is part of why the power of the first impressions are, are so powerful. Let's say you're a manager uh, for a team of folks and I'm your boss. I'm giving you an overview of your team of directs one by one, strengths, weaknesses, future, past, blah, blah, blah. The outgoing guy should have done it for you, but whatever, right? I know your guys, I'm walking you through them, right? We come to Sarah, somebody who works for you or is going to work for you. And I tell you, she's your best thinker, Mike. She's got such a quick mind. She sees right to the heart of processes and knows almost before anybody else what part of her work is causing outcomes we're not liking. She, she's just wicked fast, smart. You know, the rest of your team likes her. She's a really hard worker, really focused person too. I like her, right? Now, you happen to be walking out of my office sure. and Sarah randomly happens to be right there. And so I introduce you to her. I say, Mike, let me introduce Sarah Shahi. Sarah, this is Mike Ozan, right? Mike's the new manager, Sarah. I know I can count on you to help him in the transition. And Sarah extends her hand to you and says quickly and smiles real briefly. It says, nice to meet you, Mike. Sorry, I have to go late to a meeting. And she smiles and steps away, right? Okay. She's busy. Yeah, she's a hard worker. She's focused. Right, good. Okay. She's got work to Pretty do. simple. Yeah. Pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about another one of your guys. I said, hey, Mike, let's talk about Richard. Now, he's your problem guy, even though he's really pretty damn smart. Smartest guy you've got, really. I mean, in terms of just raw intellect, totally smart. He wanted your job. He did fine in the interview, but I just didn't really see the emotional maturity for him. He's got a bit of a quick temper. Sometimes he's kind of disrespectful of other people. No really interest in relationships. Though, to tell you the truth, I don't think the team dislikes him very much. I just don't think he has that executive relationship piece. But he really works hard, and I love that about him. Now, in this case, you're walking out of my office, and what do you know? Richard's right there, and I introduce you to him. I say, hey, Michael, let, let me introduce you uh, to you Richard Welch. Richard, this is uh, Mike Ozan. Mike's the new manager, Richard. Uh, I know I can count on you to help him in the transition. 
And Richard sticks out his hand and says quickly, uh, um, nice to meet you, Mike. Sorry, I got to go. I'm late to a meeting. And he steps away. Yeah, okay. There's his people problems. Right? Can't spend time to a little bit of time with me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, I mean, same situation, two different in briefs, and for too many managers among us, you can't help but find support for each of the two different characterizations that I gave you, for Sarah and for Richard, even though they engaged in the exact same behaviors in front of us. They did the exact same thing? Really? They were busy. They interacted with you briefly and said, nice to meet you. Got to go late for a meeting and stepped away. Hmm. So look, if, if, folks, if you believe the rumors, the hints, the suggestions, the statements about the disgruntlement of one of your team, and you start to manage them as an exception, you will begin to find data to support the negative impressions while much more easily missing the good work that they might be doing. Because you see, you're looking for a spot. If I tell you to look for a spot, I can promise you, if I didn't tell you to look for a spot and you found the spot, if I then tell you, I'd like you to walk in a room and find all the spots and there's a bunch of people standing in there with sheets, boy, I bet you can find every single one of them and you can do it fast. And you'll want to compare yourself to other people to see whether or not they found as many spots as fast as you did. Yeah, now, I, I, I know some of you are thinking, hey, I heard you say he was a hard worker. Look, we know you heard it. And we also know the moment you started hearing the negatives, those were the keys you honed in on. And your synapses in your brain were totally ready to see his gotta go statement as blowing you off. Whereas with the Sarah example, that was just her being busy and focused. And here's what it boils down to, folks. How would you like to be treated like this? As an accident waiting to happen, as a person whose purpose was to fulfill the preconceived notion of someone who heard 20 seconds of information about you. That really, that's what it is. 20 seconds of information, and now all of a sudden, they've got you down, and, and they see you through that paradigm, through that filter, right? What is the likelihood, if this were you, and someone was told that you were upset that you didn't get the job, that you would do nothing more than end up filling, fulfilling the bias of a boss with a wrong first impression and basically a boss who can't see the sheet because they're so busy looking for the spot. And our answer is you've got to treat everybody equally until they give you plenty of spots on their own. And if they've got them, they'll show them. And if they don't have them, you ought not to be painting them on them because it's hard enough to manage people. And my, my feeling about that is as a professional manager, we have to be better than that. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll continue this next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.